This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to spend some time with you today. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and I'm going to guide us as we continue to engage with God this morning. Wasn't Diva fantastic? Yes, she is. She's great. She's She's part of our MC team that we're creating and have created, and so you'll see a number of new faces up on stage because I believe that the more of us who have an opportunity to greet more of you, the better for everybody. And so I'm looking forward to seeing more faces up here communicating and leading and guiding us. So uh, we're starting a brand new series today. Inside your program, there is a notes sheet. If you are a rule follower and a note taker, you are internally freaking out right now. Because it is not a fill-in-the-blank note sheet. It is simply a sheet of paper that says notes. I know, I know. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Uh, but this is a, a new year for our church, a new year for you, and we're going to try some new things. One of the things that I want to try is giving you the freedom because I believe that you are one of the most intelligent people in our community. After all, you chose New Life to be your church this morning. So I think you can actually write down the things that are important to you, the things that grab you. I want to encourage you, write down questions that you have. And if you're in one of our life groups, write down some questions to be thinking through to have conversations in your life group. We'll have some Bible verses on the screen. You can write those down and look at them later. Or you could pull them up on your tablet or your phone. Uh, If you are kicking it old school, you can actually pull out your Bible and we'd be doing that. They'll also be up on the screens here and there. So go ahead and get ready for that. Hey, a number of years ago, there was a TED Talk by a gentleman named Simon Sinek. And Simon Sinek said this in his TED Talk. Most companies, most organizations, and we can actually drop it down to most family units, they start with what? What are we going to create? What is our product? What is our end game? What is our end goal? What is our bottom line? But Simon Sinek said that in the research that he did, Studies have shown over and over again that the most successful companies, the ones that rise above the others, the ones that transcend time, the ones who achieve a dream and a goal, don't start with what, they start with why. And he said that the why is the most important question we could ask, because why influences how, and why influences what. Let me see if I can... Uh, partner with you on this, because I took this idea years ago. We've got a a nine-year-old daughter and a son who's going to be seven next month. And when they were born, and you know this, when your kids are born, we all have some common what's. We need to feed them. We need to change them. We need to have a place for them to sleep. With our first, it was a bassinet. With our second, it was a laundry basket. (laughs) Because we had stairs, and it was just easier to carry him down. This is a true story. And we had a little dog that couldn't get inside the laundry basket, so we just carried him in a laundry basket. We all have certain what's, but, but the best that we can do, if we want to rise above the average or the norm, is to ask, why? Why am I a parent? What's my win? Why am I doing this thing? Is it just to, you know, to incur more bills, to change more diapers, to get more poop and vomit on me? Why am I parenting? So when we had our kids, I asked this question, why? And here was the answer that I came up with. I want to raise my kids to love God, to love their mom and dad, 
and to come home even when they don't have to. That's my why. I want when they leave, when they're 18, uh, my dream for them is they would, they would love God, that they would love us, and that they would want to come home even when they don't have to. Now, if you notice, my why was not top scholar. My why was not best athlete. And so when opportunities come up for them to achieve in school, or when opportunities come up to join the traveling team or this or that, my why shapes everything that I do with my kids. See, why is so important. And he said, the most important thing that an organization can do is start with why. But I would argue that while that might be the most important thing that an organization can do, that a family can do, that a marriage can do, I would say the hardest thing for an organization or a family or a friendship circle or a marriage to do is not to start with why, but to stay with why. Because we all have lofty visions on our wedding day. We all have lofty visions when we start that company or start that new job or have that first child. But isn't it true that a year later or two years or three years, it dilutes down to, please, dear Jesus, uh, if they just get out of the house alive, that'll be a win. (laughs) Want to come home? Maybe. But let's give it a good five-year window before they come back. And they're not ever moving in. These are the, the things that we move towards. And I want to talk about staying with the why today. Because last year, New Life celebrated our 20th birthday as a church. 20 years. And I hope that you're, yeah, you can celebrate that. And when we started this church 20 years ago, we knew our why. But isn't it true that 20 years, it's easy for for us to drift from a why? Have you ever done anything for 20 years? Think about that. How hard is it to stay with your why for 20 years? 20 years of a diet plan. Come on, we didn't make it 20 days in 2018. 20 years of a diet plan. How about 20 years of exercising? Have you ever stayed with exercise for 20 years? 20 years in marriage. If you've been married for 20 years, you know that it's hard to stay focused on your why. I haven't been married for 20 years, so you don't have to clap for me. But I appreciate the boost of confidence. So what I want to do today is talk about our why. Because we're launching into our 21st year as this gathering called New Life. And the truth is, if we aren't careful, it'd be very natural and easy to drift from our why. So we're going to launch this series for the next four weeks called For NorCal. I got a TV on screen. That's just kind of fun. Yeah, and I almost knocked it over when I walked out here. And I borrowed it because I don't know if I'm even going to like it, so I borrowed it from another church. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see. If you don't like it, don't tell me. I don't want to know. We're going to take four weeks to talk about our next year. Because this next year is going to be like one long celebration of who we are and why we're here. And I heard someone in a leadership podcast say one time that the, the role of a key leader, of the point leader, so that would be me in this gathering or this organization, is to keep the why in front of the people, to keep the main thing the main thing. You could say it this way. The best leaders 
are repeaters. And so my job over and over and over again is to remind us, why are we here? Because good leaders are repeaters. If you get sick of me talking about the role of the gathering in this larger community, I am doing my job because it takes time because vision leaks. And when vision leaks, our why runs dry. And when our why runs dry, we are only a handful of steps away from inner turning, imploding, and slowly dying. Truett Cathy is the founder, and he's, he's deceased now, but he was the founder of Chick-fil-A. And I just became recently a fan of Chick-fil-A. Are there any other fans of Chick-fil-A in here? Yeah, can I get an amen for some Jesus chicken? That is some good, that is some good stuff right there. I love me some Chick-fil-A. Now, if you've ever gone to Chick-fil-A, you'll know that when you say thank you to the person who's serving you at Chick-fil-A, they respond back to you. It's my pleasure. So the founder, Truett Cathy, When he started this, he had this dream that when people said thank you to his employees, they would say, it's my pleasure. So he sent out a memo. He dispersed the information across his organization. And you can imagine his displeasure when he walked into Chick-fil-A after Chick-fil-A after Chick-fil-A and said, thank you very much for my delicious chicken sandwich. And the employees said, you're welcome. But Truett Cathy didn't get angry. Truett Cathy decided that if I'm going to be a great leader, I must be a repeater. So it's reported that for the next five years, five years, he would go to store after store and talk to owner after owner and say, it's my pleasure to serve you. So now when you walk into Chick-fil-A and you have someone tell you, it is my pleasure, you know where the story came from because leaders are repeaters. I want to ask us a question today to help us get to the heart of our why. And the question is this, what is the church? Now, I want to be very clear. New Life is a church. We are one gathering, one community among many communities in Sonoma County and NorCal and around the world. But here's the question to get us back to our why. What is the church, the big church, generally known for? Because if we can understand what we're known for, then we understand the perception of our why. Now, you probably have an opinion about what the church is known for, but I would hazard to guess that if you asked a friend, and we have plenty of friends in our community who don't go to church on a regular basis, who would say, no, I'm not actually a follower of Jesus. I'm not a churched person. I would consider myself non-churched or unchurched. And if you asked them, what is the church known for? My guess is they'd be hard-pressed to tell you what they are known for, but tell me if this doesn't ring true. They would tell you many, many people are more familiar with what our church is or the church is against, not what we're for. I would say that over and over again, if you asked people, what is the church for? You would get crickets and a blank stare. And then if you asked, well, what is the church against? They would list off a litany of things that we are against. Because people in our community know us for what we are against. And it's no wonder that if if the church is known for what it is against, it's no wonder that people would stop going to church. If you asked your friend, why don't you go to church? My guess is they would say something like this. "I, I don't go to church. Church isn't for me. Because the church isn't for me. The church is against me. The church is against 
my friends, my tribe, my community. And we're noticing this thing happening in churches across our country specifically. Is that churches are starting to slowly shrink and slowly die. And it's not because we changed the book that we are using to communicate. This is a Bible, in case you're wondering. I don't, I keep mine on here. In fact, I got about 30 on here. So if you ever say, why doesn't Kevin teach out of the Bible? I, I got more Bibles in this bad boy than you probably have at your whole house. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I got my Bibles, but this is a Bible. And it's got pages. And churches didn't stop teaching out of this, Right? I mean, most churches are still teaching the Bible. So why is it that the church is shrinking in our country? Well, there are probably a few different reasons, but at least one of them is because the church has been, become known for what we're against and not what we are for. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine up on the screen. His name is Petaluma Pete. If you don't like Petaluma Pete, if you're from Roner Park, his name is Roner Park Ricky. Um, like Sonoma Sam, Novato Ned, Katati Carl, call him what you want. He's got a wife, Petaluma Peggy, Novato Nelly, Ronald Park Ronda, Katati Cassie. This is Petaluma Pete. It's Sunday morning and Pete's on his sofa right now. Right now, while we're sitting here, Pete's sitting on his sofa. And church is the farthest thing from Pete's mind. When Pete woke up this morning, he was not asking this question, which church should I go to today? When Pete woke up this morning, he was wondering, what am I going to do on this beautiful Sonoma County day? It's going to be 65 degrees. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. For the first time all week, I haven't had to do a million things. Pete Jr. and Peggy Jr. are still asleep in bed. And I'm going to read a good book. Here's what we know about Pete Pete's a young guy. Pete's in his mid to late 20s. Pete's a good guy. Pete loves his family. Pete wants the best for his kids. Pete loves Peggy. And Pete's trying to figure out how to best stay married because they've been married for now five years. They got married young. And no one's really telling them what the next steps are. No one ever told them that when they said, I do, what they really meant was, I intend to, but I don't really know how to. So he works hard. He goes hard. He plays hard. And on Sunday morning, if you said, hey, Pete, you want to come to church with me? You'd have him staring at you like you were crazy. And he'd say, why on earth would I go to church? See, Pete wasn't raised in church. But Pete was raised hearing about church. Pete's a product of uh, the internet age. Pete has heard things about church and church people and pastors. He knows more about church scandals in the last five years than those of us who are in our 40s and above heard about church scandals our entire lives. Pete knows a lot of what the church is against. But Pete does not really know what the church is for. And what is the church's job? Well, among other things, because I would say that There's a lot of whys of the church, but there's one why that gets forgotten in almost every church if we're not careful. And one of the whys of the church, one of the jobs of the church is to shrink the gap between Petaluma Pete 
on his sofa and the chair next to you. That's our job. How do we do it? That's a great question. That's a question that we should all be asking because every one of us knows Pete or Peggy or Ned or Nellie or Carl or Cassie. And every one of us should be asking the question, what would it look like to be part of a community who understands that part of our why is shrinking the gap between the sofa and the chair? Because we've got one shot at life. Got a call Thursday morning. My grandfather, who I'm so glad knew Jesus, my grandfather had a heart attack and passed away. We've all had those calls. I, I appreciate that. We've all had those calls. Um, I've been fortunate enough that I have not had many of those calls in my life. But when those calls come, it's a stark reminder that we have one shot at this life. And we want to make it count. So we should all be asking the question, man, what would it look like to shrink the gap from Pete's sofa to the chair next to me? And luckily, it's not a new question. It's a question that people have been asking since these types of gatherings began over 2,000 years ago. And in fact, we have an ancient recording of the first time this question was asked. What does it look like to be a gathering that shrinks the gap from the sofa to the chair? Let me set up the story for you. Jesus, he lived he died, he rose again, and over 500 people saw him alive. And these 500 people took to the streets and they did not tell everyone what they believed. They told everyone what they saw. We saw him alive. We saw him dead. We saw him buried. We saw him alive. And the story spread and people started coming and hundreds and then thousands of people started coming. Jewish people started placing their faith in Jesus and became Jewish, Jewish Jesus followers. Non-Jewish people began placing their faith in Jesus, but they were not Jewish followers. They were non-Jewish followers. Now the Jews had a whole set of trappings of religious practices that included everything from ceremonial cleansing to, uh, to sacrifices to get this circumcision. And so, I know. <laughs> you get nervous when we talk about money. <laughs> it's so inappropriate. So these Jewish Jesus followers started going to these non-Jewish Jesus followers and they said to them, if you really want to be a Jesus follower, you must follow the practices that we follow, including circumcision. Could you imagine if we had to do that today? Could you imagine being our guest services team and being like, hey, welcome to New Life. Glad you're here. The circumcision room is off to the corner and then make your way into the auditorium. No, no. You'd say, no, that's a hard sell. No, I'm not coming. No, huh? Now, churches don't do that today. We think, oh, that's just crazy. Churches would never do that today. But come on, how many churches, when you walk in, they say, hey, glad you're here. Take off your hat. Hey, we're glad you're here. Oh, you've got tattoos. Maybe you should cover those up. Hey, we're glad you're here. Ah, uh, you're wearing shorts. Come on. Come on. You think it's rare. It's not. 
I walk into churches. As a pastor, I've walked into churches and had people wonder if I was actually a follower of Jesus because of the clothes I was wearing in the church. And they said to me, hey, do you have a button-up shirt? And wearing something like this. And I would say, uh, no. No, I'm not preaching. I'm just sitting. I'm like, no, man, this is like, this is what I preach in. This is my, this is my gear. This is what I, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah, we don't make people get circumcised. Psh, that's ancient. Come on. How many churches, though? You got to know all the songs. You better have your Bible with you or else you're going to be totally lost. You better know when to stand up and when to sit down. Right? So this whole thing comes to a head because the non-Jewish Jesus followers are conflicting with the Jewish Jesus followers. So they come and they create this council, which is like this big church meeting to decide what's it going to look like to be this Jesus movement. And they call James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, who's kind of like the leader of this community, this council. Now, James, man, he is a good proof that Jesus was the son of God because James grew up with Jesus. Could you imagine growing up with Jesus? It's like they get into a fight. They go to mom and dad. James is like, Jesus did it. And Jesus is like, come on. Uh, You know, it's like Mary says to James, like, hey, James, I need you to go fishing and Oh, never mind. Jesus grabbed a fish and some bread. We'll have plenty and leftovers. You know, it's like, James, you know, hey, James, go down and get some water from the well. Oh, never mind. It's cocktail hour. We'll have Jesus get the water because we know what's going to happen. You know, like, it's a rough sell being the brother, half-brother of Jesus. And so when Jesus came out and said, I'm God, James didn't believe it. In fact, James tried to pull him away. But then James experienced his brother alive after he was killed. He became to believe that his brother was the unique son of God. And he becomes the leader of this council. So everybody comes to James. You can imagine a big meeting. Ah, you've got the non-Jewish Jesus followers and the Jewish Jesus followers. Ah, they want us to get circumcised. You know, they're all like, ah. And James makes a statement that speaks to us today about shrinking the gap about shrinking the gap from the sofa to the chair. And this is what he says. Therefore, it is my judgment that we should not make it, and look at this, difficult. We should not make it difficult for Gentiles. This is anyone who's non-Jewish who are turning to God. What's part of the why of the church? Part of the why of the church is creating environments that do not make it difficult for our community to turn to God. Back to Petaluma Pete. What's it look like to create a church that does not make it difficult for him? to turn to God. Another way to ask this question, what is the church for? The church is for NorCal. The church for so long has been known for what we are against outside of the walls. But the church 
was designed to go outside of the walls to show the world how much they are loved by our Heavenly Father by showing them how much they are loved by us. What's it mean to be for NorCal? Well, it means, it means being for our schools, being a gathering that believes in the educational system and lifts people up. What's it mean to be for NorCal? It means that we are for adults, for flourishing and thriving, that we are for children, that we are for families, that we are for people because God is for people. And I want to say this. I want to just, I want to get us back to our why. Why are we here? Why do we exist? Because I'm telling you, as churches get older, it's so easy to say we are here for us. We got lots of us. Look at all the us. We don't even know all the us. We could spend the next year just getting to know us. But the church that Jesus dreams about, sure, there's us in there, but I don't have to tell you it's good for us to get to know us. The church that Jesus dreams about is a church that does not make it difficult for people to turn to God. So in this next year, we're going to spend a year celebrating, dreaming, creating space, both relational space and physical spaces that make it easy for our community to move from the sofa to a seat. Because I'm convinced that the more people get to know you, the more people will want to get to know Jesus. I'm convinced. I'll take this church gathering over any community that I know. I would, I would take any one of you. And I would say, if you just get into our community, people get to know you, by golly, they're going to want to get to know Jesus. So I want to ask us in this 21st year of our church to continue to do three things. To shrink the gap between the sofa and the seat. And the first is this, create common ground. The second is create conversations. And the third is to create connections. I want to try to unpack each of those for a minute. Create common ground. I believe that as people get to know you, they'll want to know Jesus. But I also believe that the majority of people in our community think that they have nothing in common with you. And I know they think they have nothing in common with me. I was at my daughter's friend's birthday party not that long ago, and I was chatting with this gentleman, and we were having a good time. We were hitting it off. He was this big, strong, like construction worker guy. Clearly, he felt like we connected there. Um, so, hmm. and, uh, and we're loving it. We're talking, we're laughing, we're sharing stories. And then he asked me the question that I dread every time. He said, so what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And I'm not joking. He took a physical step back from me. And he looked me up and down. I'm not making this up. And I looked at him and there was this awkward moment of silence. And I said, I know. And I seemed so normal. Come on. 
Petaluma Pete loves his kids. What Petaluma Pete doesn't know is that New Life deeply loves and cares about his kids as well. That every week we have over 100 kids in our various ministries who we are serving and caring for. And he doesn't know that in 2018, we're working hard to create even better environments for our kids, for his kids to come and learn what it means to be a part of society and community and meet Jesus. He doesn't know that yet, but he will because we're going to create common grounds. Petaluma Pete, he cares about this community. When the fires broke out, Pete was off his sofa with Peggy and they were trying to figure out how to get involved, where to give, how to serve. What he doesn't know is that you all love this community. And when the fires broke out, you rushed to this church to create a place for people to come and stay and be loved and cared for and served. Petaluma Pete loves this community. He wants his business to thrive. What he doesn't know is you also love this community. You also want his business to thrive. We just need to create common ground with people on the sofa to people in the chairs, which is why, for lack of a better term, we are branding for NorCal this year. Like, I know you're thinking churches shouldn't do branding. Well, guess what? Um, they do. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this thing. It's called a cross. Like, churches are pretty good at branding. Okay. We're, thank you, Emily. Uh, we're also, um, we're partnering with another church in Santa Rosa who's also doing a for NorCal thing. And so they're going to use the same graphic that we're using. They're going to serve their community like we're serving our community because we think this isn't about any one church. We think, and I would love it if every church was a for NorCal church. We think that this is about our community knowing that God loves this community. And so we're going to start doing some publicity and some getting the word out there that this church is for NorCal. But what I'm asking is that you would also do that. So I want to ask you a question. Um, Before I even tell you what it is, would you just do something for me this week? Come on, stare blankly at me if you will. Good, good. Okay. When you drive through a drive-thru, when you drive through a drive-thru, what do you do while you're in line at the drive-thru? You stare, you you don't look on your phone. I just, whoever said that, you don't look at your phone. That is against the law. Okay. You stare at the back of the car in front of you, don't you? And if they have bumper stickers, you read them. And if they have a personalized plate, you try to figure out what it says. And when you can't, you text a friend, illegal, and you try to have them figure out what it says. So here's what I'd like to do to try to create some common ground. I've got this thing and create conversation. I've got this, this magnet. It's a four NorCal magnet. It says newlifepetaluma.org on it. I made about 600 of these so that you can have one of these. And I want to give you one when you walk out of here today. What I'd like you to do is stick it on the back of your car. And this week, what I'd like you to do is drive through a drive-thru and go nice and slow so that the person behind you has plenty of time to examine your magnet. And then I'd like you to pay it backwards, to pay for their meal. Give me some more money. I'll make them bigger. Whoever said that. Give the church some more money. We'll make bigger magnets. And then I'd like you to pay it backwards. Here's what I mean. Buy their coffee. Buy their meal. Because here's what I think is going to happen. They're going to spend five minutes looking at your magnet, and then they're going to be blessed by you. They're going to say, wait a minute. I, that whole four NorCal, all that. I wonder what that website was. I'm going to go look up New Life Petaluma. Oh, I'm going to see that that's a church that's four NorCal. They're going to see that video on our website, and they're going to say, oh, they're four NorCal. That's interesting. 
And then what I want us to do is continue to pray. I've asked us at 112 every day to set our alarms to pray for the 112,000 people in our community. I want you, if you haven't set your alarm, to set your alarm for 112 every day and pray and pray and pray that God creates connections between your act of kindness and the church being for the community. Because for far too long, the church has been known for what we are against. It's time for the church to be known by what we're for. Will you help me? I can't, I can't do this. Listen, of all the people in our community who has the least chance, it's the pastor. There's so much that people think about when they think about pastors. You're so fortunate that you're not a pastor. Honestly, honestly. Because you can say, yeah, yeah, you know, I know pastors are crazy. Like, my pastor's crazy, but different crazy. (laughs) Would you help me show our community that we're for our community? So that the words spoken in that first council would be true of us. It is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles for our community, for the 112,000 people in our immediate reach communities who are turning to God. Next week, we're going to talk about this question. What do we say to people who say no to us? Because in our community, over 90% of the people in our community have already said no thank you. No thank you to what we believe, No thank you to how we spend our Sundays. No thank you to church. No thank you to God. And as a church, we have one of two responses when people say, no thank you. One response pulls us away from our community. One response unleashes us to be for NorCal. You don't want to miss next week. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.